Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the Hour of Truth with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Hello and welcome to Aetherius Radio Live on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, brought to you on the third Tuesday monthly from 1 to 2 p.m. Aetherius Radio Live is hosted by the wonderful Richard Lawrence and today's special guest, Brian Kennett. They always have an amazing show prepared with wonderful topics such as karma, UFOs, the Mother Earth, the New World, the Next Master, and more. They invite you to discover the cosmic message for this age revealed through legendary Master of Yoga and world-renowned medium Dr. George King between 1954 and 1997. So without further ado, I give you your wonderful host, Richard Lawrence, and special guest, Brian. Thank you very much, Courtney. Um, I'd like to just say that um, Chrissy, unfortunately, is not uh, too well at the moment. She's recovering very well. She, she's doing okay now, but not able to appear. Sends her greetings to all our listeners, so we're, we're very sorry about that. But we're absolutely delighted, and I'm delighted personally, to welcome my very good friend, Brian Kniep, uh to the show. Hi, Brian. Hello, Richard. Very good to be here, and I'm glad I can uh, step in and uh, and help the show out. Well, you can you can do more than step in because the topic today is Dr. George King, star pupil, and it's all focused on a particular uh, transmission, mental transmission, that Dr. George King received, and the only person who was actually physically with him while he was receiving this particular transmission was, in fact, Brian. Because Brian, as well as uh, being secretary at the executive secretary at the American headquarters, holding equivalent positions as I hold over here in London, uh, was the main aide to Dr. King in terms of the transmissions he received and the compiling of them and uh, and collating and working with him at every step uh, throughout the last 10 years of Dr. King's life. So it's great for Ethereum Radio Live, Brian, to have you on the show, especially this one. Well, it's great to be here, and I must say this particular transmission uh, that you referred to is uh, one, if not my favorite, um, of the mental transmissions that uh, Dr. King received. It's just a wonderful yes. transmission. It is. Likewise. It li- and what I'd like to do, Brian, if it's okay with you, since we have you here, is before we get started with that, ask you some sort of general questions from your uh, vast experience, actually, of being with the Master during mental transmissions. I mean, there's very few people who've actually been in the room with the Master. I was privileged to do it on a couple of occasions, and a few others have had that experience, but very, very few. And you, you must have been there on numerous occasions, were you not? Well, I was <clears throat> in, in those last um, ten years. Uh, I was pretty much with uh, Dr. King 24 hours a day. I would uh, be yeah. living with him in the house in Santa Barbara, and then on the grounds here in Los Angeles. And whenever a mental transmission uh, came or was about to come, I, I would pretty much always be the person to kind of get this this situation ready, get the tape recorder ready and get the paper ready on the, the desk and uh, make Dr. King a cup of tea or whatever and, and then I would always be there um, if not in the room then I'd be like right uh, behind a door uh, in the in next door able to hear everything that's going on and then I would um, take care of the, uh, I'd copy the tapes and I would um, maybe sometimes talk with uh, Dr. King about the transmission and 
it was mm-hmm. quite um it was quite a privilege to be involved in that no question about that yeah yeah and and i think probably for for some listeners some newer listeners we should explain the two kinds of transmissions uh, that dr king did take firstly the the cosmic transmission we we've talked a lot on Ethereum radio live about the 12 blessings and the nine freedoms for example we do recommend those two albums which you can get very very strongly and you can actually hear uh, Master Jesus and Mars Sector 6 in these cases speaking through Dr. King and that was he was in a somatic condition an advanced deep meditative state and then of course it was tape recorded so that was one type of transmission which I suppose predominantly Brian it would be sort of the first 25 years of his mission um, up to round about 1980 that would That's be right, yeah. the main the main method he would use, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely the main. All the most important transmission would come through uh, with the somatic uh, trance in those days. And oddly enough, even though um, I, I think his last somatic one was 1981, and I came out to Los mm-hmm. Angeles in 1978, odd thing was I never witnessed or was never there during one of those somatic transmissions. Really? Um, yeah. Well, I was never in the room, but I was certainly privileged to be there on uh, certainly the um, Operation Prayer Power on Level 4, which yeah. I think was 1979. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but but then, of course, after that, and I suppose it would, I would say, Brian, it'd be partly health reasons that he then moved from that mainly towards the mental transmissions. Would, would you agree oh, with that? Def- yes, definitely was, was health mm. reasons, because you know, going yeah. into somatic trance is uh, mm. very, very difficult. Even, even when um, Dr. King did some uh, projections um, from his yeah. body, he, even, which was not as rigorous as a somatic trance, but even that was mm. very, very rigorous, and he had to be very careful when he did that in his latter years. Yes. So so with the, 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 the cosmic transmission where he entered the somatic trance, of course, and particularly in the earlier days, we're told, you know, he could prepare himself very, very quickly, you know, in a matter of almost seconds, certainly minutes, he, oh, he would I be know. ready for that, you know, uh, well, and, and he would do just a few deep breaths and um, raise the kundalini and he was ready. It's it's hard to uh, hard to imagine. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I believe that um, in the early days, in the 60s, sometimes they had as little warning as two minutes, and that was from, mm. say, like 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock at night. And so then within that two mm. minutes of warning, um, all the people had to get to the tape recorders and et cetera, and Dr. King had to get into the room and get into a trance mm. within two minutes. Uh, it's, 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 it's hard to fathom, and I, I've never heard of any other medium even claiming to operate like that. No. Um, I've or, uh, never come across my, and I keep my eyes open. I mean, of course, one of the reasons for that would have been that he was responding to emergency situations, wasn't he? Well, he certainly was. Um, I, I don't think every one of them was an no. emergency. But he, no. I think he, he had almost like he wanted to keep himself sharp, and, and he and he, mm. he prided himself to be able to um, respond in a, in a very, very quick time. And that was his whole take on life really wasn't it it was to be Indeed. very quick yeah. and dynamic and all go things. towards god now <laughs> even a saint cannot reclaim a wasted minute yes that exactly. was a great aphorism yeah. or one of them 
True. So that was the that was the somatic conditions, and then he moved to the to the mental transmission. So I think a fascinating thing would be what sort of preparation uh, did he need or seem to need to make before taking a mental transmission? Well, that's a good question. It it varied um, <clears throat> depending on who he was speaking with and who who he was um, communicating with. Um, mm. You know, there, there's different levels of uh, of beings who he communicated with, and and <clears throat> when he communicated with with the adepts or or with um, Sector S2, um, then it would be sometimes there would be virtually no preparation. He would um, he would be given a pip that uh, something was going to come through, or sometimes they would just come through and say. Uh, sometimes it'd be, he'd be sitting, uh, you know, um, having a cup of tea, and he would get a yeah. transmission uh, right then and there. Then I would, if it was he wanted to record it, then I would run and get the recorder, or he would go into the room down the hall and, and record it. Um, so that mm. in that case, there'd be virtually no preparation. Now, mm. and of course, he could do it in bed, couldn't he? As well, oh, he did. He, he, yes, he, he did. Yeah. It. He he would he would do it. I mean, he he wouldn't normally choose to do it in bed or having a cup of tea if he wanted to um, mm. communicate someone himself, but, but he would receive them in that situation. Yeah. If he wanted and, to... And, go ahead. No, no, I was, I was just going to... Sorry, I don't want to interrupt your flow there. I was just going to ask you, did, did he always record them or did on some occasions he would just perhaps tell you about them or tell people about them but not record them? Uh, uh, well, <clears throat> probably... Probably most of the communications that he would receive, he wouldn't record, I would almost mm. say. But I right. would say that right. virtually all of the important transmissions uh, yeah. he would record. Um, yeah. And occasionally an important one would come through which he didn't have the, uh, he wasn't able to record. Then he would very soon after that give a, um, a synopsis of it, uh, and he would record that synopsis. Yes. yes. So, so with the cosmic transmissions, and we know that he he had to raise the kundalini, and he had to focus on a beam that was placed upon a certain psychic center. Which I I think, uh, as someone who does extremely, relatively very low grade and basic channeling, uh, and certainly not worthy of being mentioned in the same sentence. But I know that the key that mediums struggle with and I think often fail with actually to be honest is to tell the difference between a message they're receiving and their own minds you know what's actually coming from them uh, or their subconscious or possibly their intuition but in the case of Dr. King he had it absolutely mastered it had it absolutely nailed as it were by ha by focusing on a beam that he could actually detect that was obviously clearly coming from outside and was a, a thought transmission uh, and that's how he describes the uh, in a fascinating way, doesn't he? Some of the cosmic transmissions he received. That's right. Yeah. No, he uh, he would. I think some of the ones, the uh, power transmissions, there'd be several mm. individuals, and he described it one yeah. time in a lecture that he would have to focus um, the different individuals, uh, masters who would be communicating. They would have a, a different colored light. Um, one might be two feet above the third eye uh, to the left, and one might be uh, one foot above in the center, and one might be a foot below to the right. And then he would have mm. to move his concentration to these different um, uh, points of light when uh, when they were active. And sometimes mm. it'd be it had to change like within a, within a second 
Um, and so mm-hmm. I can't imagine uh, being able to do that, but that was how he said he, he did those particular kinds of transmissions. Yes, and we were talking, weren't we, just before the show, about the incredible consistency uh, between his transmissions, sometimes over decades, both in the, the content, uh, which you couldn't expect him to, in his ordinary Earth physical body, to remember every detail, and yet they would all you know, f- conform to each other. And also in the voices, if you, if you have a voice like the Master Etherius in 1979, it's immediately recognisable as the voice from 1955 or 6 or, you know, whenever the the first ones we've got, you know. I would even go a step further and say that not only would, say, you or I or or I think anyone not be able to find inconsistencies, but Mm. as you study them more and more over the years, you find all these other layers of consistency that you didn't even see the first five or six or twelve times you listen absolutely to absolutely vouch for that absolutely vouch for that you you can even see actually all sort of verbatim descriptions um just to give one example of two um texts that our, our readers are very familiar with in in both the nine freedoms and the twelve blessings these, these aren't going to be exact quotes but there's reference to the the person who this is my words seeks for peace and now I'll use these words, in total disregard, those three words, in total disregard of, of human suffering. It's a, it's a subtle point. We'll find it not. Now, it's put slightly right. differently, but both the Master Jesus and Master use these words, in total disregard. And that's right. a, a key point, because you can, you can misread a teaching, and you can think you've heard it said that if you search for peace, you won't find it in these days. It isn't stated. It's if you oh. do it in total disregard of, of human suffering and of the world. And there's an example of consistency, even down to the wording between two different masters. Well, that's a very good point. And, you know, mm. it's, it's the almost, I mean, imagine being an advanced race of um, beings trying to get truths to a world like ours that has been mm. so prone to take great teachings in the past and uh, yes. pigeonhole them or use them for other means, and so here they're having they're yeah. having to they're, maybe they've they've learned um, uh, about the human race a bit more, and so they they give these statements so that you know hopefully they people we will not mis misread these teachings. And it's, it's, the mm. balance is the thing. You, you have to work mm. for peace, but you also have to go within for peace. You have to do both. You do, and and I always think with our teachings, Brian, that you know with our teachings you've got. And you might say we're the two secretaries, so we're biased. You might think that, but you, it happens to be true in, in in both of our opinions. I know that you have an absolute sort of cornucopia, a wealth of 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 great jewels of aphorism, oh. and and there's so many of them. You know, whereas you might go through certain Bibles and other texts in, in various traditions, and you might find one or two, you will find some, I'm not going to say you won't, but you'll also go through masses of swathes of passages, which, to put it honestly, are mediocre at best. Well, that's true. Um, you know, for whatever reason, be it the translation of them or, or whatever's happened to it, you know, the history of who married who and what, you know, this, that and the other. And then you might find something, a real gem. But with the Ethereum Society, it's dense, it's full. You, you, you could do a meditation on almost every line uh, of the teaching transmissions. 
Well, so some of the some of the transmissions, uh, you, you, there's no question you could easily do um, every single sentence. Uh, there's, mm. there's a tremendous depth in them. Now, so, mm. some of the ones, some of the uh, the public ones, uh, uh, weren't quite so dense, but you would only have maybe mm. a few sentences between amazing um, sentences. Yeah. Not 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 pages or chapters or you know that kind of thing. No. But coming back to Dr. King, so that that was the sort of methodology, if you like, he used, um, not that we can really understand how he did it exactly, but that's how he's explained it, this focus on these beams of energy for for a cosmic transmission. Did he ever explain to you or did you get any idea, other than the fact it's some form of telepathy, what he was doing when he got a mental transmission? No, I mean obviously he was um, he he had to concentrate um, mm. on uh, that, uh, that 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 voice or the thought or that uh, that uh, intelligence that was coming to him because one time for example I would be I was driving him I would drive him most places in those days and um, you know you, you try and uh, converse and, and make make uh, have a nice time with him and relax and whatnot. Yeah. And one day I was um, just, we were just leaving the house in Santa Barbara, and I was <clears throat> just saying something like, maybe how is the weather, isn't, isn't the weather nice, or something, you know, not very mm. important. And he just his, his his hand just kind of just gestured, you know, be quiet, be quiet. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I shut up. I didn't say. And then uh, he, he, he just told me that he was communicating with the sectorist too, informing him that he was he was traveling at that time, and and. And uh, which he, in those days he had to he had to tell um, different mm. beings whenever he was traveling. Yes. So it took yes, indeed, he couldn't yeah. do that while he was talking mm. to me. He he had to he had to concentrate uh, on mm. that on that task. And um, yes. Another interesting thing that might give some some clue is that at some point when he would communicate with the beings on satellite number three, um, I guess. They were having trouble with other people trying to get through, or something like this. And mm-hmm. he was then given a, uh, a kind of a security code, which was, I right. believe, it's a string of numbers. Um, mm-hmm. And and he would then, before he would uh, communicate, he would mentally say these string of numbers, and that would get mm-hmm. him through um, the, the mm-hmm. screen on the satellite. And then he would then be communicating with an individual, mm. and, then, and then he would start the, the verbal communication, as it were. Mm. So if that, if that and I know he told off. me, um, you know, on one occasion, and this was in respect to the masters from Gotha, uh, these are the masters who help us with the mission called Operation Sunbeam. These are masters from actually outside this solar system uh, that he would communicate with, and they would, to, to confirm certain operations were, were underway, a certain, he would then hear a certain type of sound which was confirmation, and if it was another type of sound, then it wasn't uh, confirmation. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So he had these, these, yeah, various, various methods. But um, he was, as you, I think you, you were telling me a fantastic example of his concentration just before the show, uh, where you were filming him. Did, did you want to share? That oh, one yeah. With the was, um, yeah. <clears throat> well, we were, we were. I was filming him. Um, this was the first and only time that. Uh, uh, he, he was filmed the, receiving a mental transmission. 
Uh, and and he, therefore he had to kind of stage it. He had to um, uh, institute, instigate the uh, transmission himself. And so he got everything mm-hmm. set up in his office in Santa Barbara, and I was in there with the camera and the door shut, and he was by his tape recorder, and he was trying to communicate with, in this case, Nixie 009. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nixie 009 wasn't available. Uh, and be- because he would use a certain classified code normally that was never printed, but he would always use this particular code, um, whenever he instigated any transmission. Uh, but in this particular case, because he was uh, being videotaped and he wanted the videotape to eventually be published, he was using the, the, um, his name as primary terrestrial mental channel rather than his normal um, uh, classified code. And um, yes. so Nixon-005 came back because he heard the... Uh, uh, transmission and, and realized that Nick 9 couldn't respond. And he came back and said, my, aren't we formal today? And then he went on to say <laughs> that Nick 9 wasn't available because of certain reasons, but in fact there was yeah. a transmission coming from uh, the third satellite. And so and the master, had his, his, his face was completely unchanged with that with that kind of a joke that came through. He, just, yes. he was just focusing yes. on... on, on uh, repeating the words as delivered by Nix 5 under the tape recorder. And then what he almost always did to verify an important transmission is he would turn off the tape recorder, rewind it, and play it back and ask the person, uh, the, the master who was communicating, to verify that he had it correct. Because he, he was that mm. concerned that he had these, these, these transmissions correct. So he would play it mm-hmm. over. He would often apologize for them having to sit there and, and, and yes. listen, but... Uh, they played it over, and this time when he was playing it over, and then the part came up where he says, "Aren't we formal today?" There was this priceless little grin that came across his face because he—that was for the first yeah. time he had he had realized that this joke that was said by Nixon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so he was so <laughs> intensely focused on just getting the, the the words and getting the communication. That's right. He wasn't yes. participating, and that's that shows his mastery, doesn't it, of, of the uh, mind, yeah. really. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fantastic example. Well, I think we could talk all day, certainly all hour, about these things, but we'll never get on to the actual <laughs> right. subject, which is Dr. George King's star, star pupil. But what is great is that, that, I mean, I was in America when this, this uh, transmission was delivered, this historic transmission. It was on August the 8th, 1990. And, of course, we've chosen this particularly because it's uh, Dr. King's birth date this week on January the 23rd, 1919. He was, he was born on, on this planet. And um, this, this transmission, uh, Brian, was one that he did not really want to receive, did he? No, he, he, he never liked... Um, he, didn't, he didn't like the Cosmic Masters... Um, uh, Blowing his whistle, as it were, or, or putting yeah. him up. He, he, you know, despite you know his his um, lectures and whatnot, where sometimes he's quite definite about his ability and what uh, he and the Ethereum Society are doing for the world. Sometimes it comes across as being almost bragging, but in fact, mm. he was a very very shy person, and he he, he did was. not like uh, being that way at all. And, no. and he and he knew that this transmission. Well, when the master theories first communicated, he he kind of let the master know that um, it was going to be a, a complementary transmission. So he he and because master theories knew this trait of our master, he 
he said, I'll mm. give you some time to get yourself ready, basically. Mm. And and yes. he was he was not happy at all. He was um mm. uh, I I had to come in and uh, and give him a cup of tea and he was just pacing up and down very, very quiet and, and somber and just uh just you know, he just I guess he knew it was gonna be very difficult for him and he was just trying to get himself into a a state where he could um uh, take this transmission, um, you know, mm. and not not let it affect him emotionally, um, mm. because it is difficult when you have this being as great as the master Therius telling you mm. how important you are. It's extremely mm. difficult to um, yes. do that, and, and especially for a master who is exceptionally shy. Uh, Person. He was, he was, and I, I mean, I can vouch for that. I wasn't actually in the room as you were. I was just over the, well, a few sure. few yards away in yeah. a meeting. Yes, a director's meeting, and he really wasn't looking forward to it. I mean, even I could tell that. I knew that. And afterwards, of course, he didn't really. He had no choice. It had to be published. And he was told to publish it, but he wasn't wanting to push it too hard. And well, I remember made... some. Go ahead. Yeah. Now I was going to say I remember some months later um you know he he was all he, he kind of left it to myself and another person there because you were in Santa Barbara with him to sort of talk about it to the to the staff that were right. in Los Angeles at the time he he himself just didn't really want to go there I felt he he, oh. he knew it, it was done not for to tell him it was done to tell us and it, I think this could be, Brian, the first time that uh, we've actually sort of put it out, as it were, to the public in this way through a radio broadcast ever. And this is how many years after his, well, it's, uh, you know, 1990, August the 8th, that it was delivered. So that's 20, um, five, over 25 years ago. Well, he originally uh, only released it to members. And uh, yeah. uh, even though Cosmic Voice in those days, as it is today, uh, goes to uh, members and non-members alike, but this particular yes. issue was only sent to members uh, upon his uh, instructions right. at the time because he just didn't yes. want to uh, broadly broadcast it. No, he didn't. And uh, you, you talking about his shyness and his humility as well. I would add to that. Um, it reminds me of something the Master of Theorists said many years earlier. It was actually in March 1965. He said this, he said, you know, a man can have two great faults. One, he can be nothing. The other, he can be so great as to appear nothing because of his very greatness. This has mm. happened. It was by design in a way. Not our design, but it was known and foreseen. For when the world appreciates the leader of the Aetherius society, it will have advanced greatly. It must have advanced greatly to be capable of such a degree of appreciation. There's a, a tremendous amount in that, I think, Brian. There really is. Uh, I mean, it, he, uh, our master, um, Dr. King, did did so much in in a, such yeah. a relatively short period of time with extremely limited resources. Yeah, uh, it was just it, it's it's just. Staggering, and it, it's got mm. absolutely no comparison um, to anything that's going on today or even in the past. And no. it's hard for people to uh, really take it on board. And uh, it, it's a process. I mean, I think you would agree with me. It's, it's a process. You you start off uh, with, with the teachings to understand some of the the main fantastic um, information that you get, and then. Mm. 
it's from then on it's just layer upon layer upon layer of just um of depth and 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 in, inspiration and um direction mm. it's just it just opens up a whole uh, another part of, of of you and of life and of the universe and it's just amazing very well very very true it's like gold mine and one thing you know that i've found having You've done perhaps as much publicity, if not more, than than anybody else, oh, other yes. than the Dr. King himself, of course. Um, maybe more than he. You know, is maybe more than he even because he had other priorities. But I I do know beyond any shadow of a doubt that if he had done less and and if it was less, you know, as it were, enormous what he'd done, it would have been much more easy to promote, much more assimilable. For example, if he had been, which he was, the person who pioneered well before Reiki was popularized, decades before Reiki was popularized, and I'm all for Reiki being popularized, don't misunderstand me, but he was pioneering, you know, the fact that everyone can heal and the, and the yoga-based technique and using the chakras and using the violet flame and so on. And if he had just done that and nothing else, and we'd really majored on that, and I know that it would have been much easier to approach him. The media would find it much easily, easier, to, the mainstream media anyway, to assimilate and so on. Or if he had just focused on his role as a UFO, the first person to sort of pioneer what you might call spiritual ufology, and just that, that too would be much easier to promote. But when you put it all together, the vastness of it and the vastness of his role in it and, and the fact that he's saving the world, I mean, people could assimilate more easily. He's helping some people here and some people there and some students. But saving the world, it gets so big that it, people just can't, they either don't believe it or, or they just can't assimilate it. And as the master theorist rightly said, it's too great. And, it, and so he ends up appearing to be ordinary. Or appearing to be nothing. That's a very good point, and I think it's mm. a good clue, as that um, you know, uh, Dr. King uh, was here on Earth, uh, certainly not first and foremost to build the Ethereum Society and make the Ethereum Society a great organization. He was here mm. first and foremost to to uh, enable the the world to um, move into the new age, and so mm. I, I think as far as he would be concerned. Um, the fact that him introducing you two can heal, and then it gets it spreads um, to creating this tremendous um, Reiki uh, influence. That's a good mm. thing. That's of course, a, it's that, a good that, thing. That's it's a, a wonderful thing. thing for helping yeah, the world. And indeed, it's not indeed. all about the Ethereum Society. You know, it's it's about no, the world. It is. It's about the world, absolutely. And I think uh, probably now, I don't believe it, but we're halfway through, and if we don't start on the transmission, we're going to be in trouble with ourselves. But um, Courtney, did you have any announcements you wish to make at this juncture? Um, just one. I do want to mention that Chrissy Blaze will be holding a meditation and soul rejuvenation class. Um, and that will be right. upcoming March, um, so we will definitely talk about it again. Uh, it's a three-series class, which includes a class in March, April, and May. And for more information on that, you can visit org, or you can call the Royal Oak Center at 248-588-0290. And did you have any announcements, Richard? Well, I was just going to mention, um, first of all, that, um, and it's very appropriate to this topic, um, that a lecture that I gave in Norway last year about Dr. King Cosmic Avatar 
is now up on, on YouTube. You can get it through my website. You can get it through the Ethereus Society website, uh, ethereus.org. And also, I think the main thing, uh, Brian, we need to announce is that right across the Ethereus Society on Saturday, on January the 23rd, uh, services will be held throughout uh, various parts of the world, actually, and you can get all the details from ethereus.org to commemorate the birth date of, of Dr. George King. That's right. It's going to be a good celebration. It is indeed. Well, thank you very much, Courtney. So let's talk then about this statement. So the scene is set, and there you were uh, attending to Dr. King, and then he received this, un as he called it at the time, unusual statement about George King. I think that's putting it very mildly. Uh, it's come to be known as the star pupil, and it's delivered by the master theorist. And I, I think it's important just to mention, and we've, we've covered uh, the, um, uh, what, what Dr. King actually referred to as the infallible one, the master theorist, before uh, we've devoted a program to this. And just to remind uh, listeners, he is... Uh, extremely prominent. He is also marked out by his great humility, tremendous understatement. Um, but we are told that he was a represent or is a representative of the planet Venus at uh, interplanetary parliament. There's actually a transmission which was delivered in 1959 about interplanetary parliament. And in the beginning of that transmission, Mars Sector 6 actually states that the entities, and I'm quoting now, the entities who represent their respective planets are chosen by the perfects and are given instruction by the perfects in cosmic wisdom before they become operatives. Now, the perfects, as we've also covered in the program on Saturn, are, are the most advanced masters on any planet in this solar system. Uh, just a little later in the same uh, series of transmissions about interplanetary parliament, Master Ethereus uh, follows and says this, I actually do represent the planet Venus, but that is only part of my self-appointed task. Note that, please, self-appointed task. So uh, for, for students of Ethereus Society literature, if we were to take that absolutely literally, uh, he, and if he appointed himself... And since the perfect appoint planetary representatives, he would have to be at the level of a perfect himself. Now, I, I'm, I'm just leaving people to draw their own conclusions, but I will say this, um, right at the end of the transmission, Mars 6 comes back and says, as you no doubt know, you've heard a message from an intelligence you choose to call Ethereus. He spoke a word or two about the work he does. Did you notice something, Terra, which of course means Earth, did you notice his humility? That is something that comes only in the wise. So that preamble really is just to put in context the, the really advanced status of the master theorist, which I think is very relevant to, to what we're going to hear in this statement. I think that's a good point. And it, it, it is something which uh, it would be interesting if, if you had the time to go through all the teachings uh, in the Ethereum Society and pull out little things like that about the Master Ethereus because it's mm. every so often you see him doing things that you can't possibly understand how he can do. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. it's uh, it, it is it begs the question of who exactly and the, the Master used to always say, uh, "Who is he really?" Uh, yes, uh, yes, I remember him saying that. Yes, and of course the Master Ethereus wouldn't say, would he? No, <laughs> never, no, never, never answered that one. No. no. Um, so here are some of the statements, and I, I think Brian, if we can, we'll just take them one by one, and then 
feel right. free to comment um, on them. So first statement that I'd like to take from this, uh, this transmission, this mental transmission, is this, and this is the Master Ethereum speaking. Never before in my existence have I ever recruited a better spiritual master than George King. He is my star pupil. That's just staggering. It is really. It is, and the more the one. This is why it's important to to note who the master Ethereus is, right. and I mean, how long is his existence? Uh, if he is indeed at that level that uh, it's implied, I would say there, uh, you know, the, the high Saturnian level, his existence and his advancement is quite phenomenal. Uh, and yet he's never recruited a better spiritual master. And goodness knows how many uh, masters he must have recruited, Brian. You know, it, it's it's hard to know uh, anything about that. But just, just to say, for someone like the Master Ethereus, uh, and no matter where you place him, um, uh, somebody, even if, you know, I'd even say it in these ways, but even if you, you say that he is, was just a normal um, master on, on Venus, which we know he's not, because at the very minimum yes. he's at the top of that. Um, yes. His a star pupil of someone of that caliber would be tremendously um, uh, competent and, and, and with tremendous yeah. ability. And then you take on the on the other end of the scale of what the master theorist who he could be. Uh, it's mm. it's it's just you can't you can't comprehend what a star pupil would be like. So it's it's no. very hard to get one's head around that statement. It really is. And of course, the other thing that the Master of Theorist does say in the, in the transmission I mentioned earlier about Infinity Parliament, he says this, he says, I'm much more concerned about the welfare of Terra, in other words, Earth, and, and, well, and certain other planets than I am about the welfare of Venus. And sure. it seems, again, he goes on again and makes the point he's appointed himself to this. So we don't know, and I know Dr. King, he would never say this publicly uh, at all because of his humility. But I'm mean, certainly mooted um, in my presence uh, informally uh, and in closed company, and I think it can be said now, uh, you know, that the Master of Theorists may have rec rec recruited many of the well-known masters who've come to this earth. And he was... There, talking about Jesus, Lord Buddha, and possibly Sri Krishna. And if that's the case, then the implications of this are, are vast. Very interesting. Very interesting indeed, mm. yeah. yeah so then, yeah. yeah. Then it continues, and this is the next statement. His brilliance, talking about Dr. King, and this is again the master theorist, his brilliance has been very greatly put to use in his invention of numerous missions, which I will not detail here. I think that sort of marks him out, don't you, Brian? The missions that Dr. King left and, and the missions that the Ethereum Society still performs is, as far as I know, completely unique in terms of any spiritual organization that I know of now or, or in the past to have even claimed to do. It, well, it's a real it, hallmark of Dr. It, King, I think. It, it Absolutely, because he, he was such a, um, a field uh, a master, such a, a missions mm. man, missions master. And, you know, despite the um, brilliance of the teachings uh, that both came through Dr. King and he presented uh, for himself, 
and, and these were like just fantastic teachings. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing that really sets the Ethereum Society apart and our Master's mission apart are his missions, because mm-hmm. not only were the missions accomplishing tremendous karmic repercussions of a positive nature for the world, but he, he created them in such a way that they can be continued by people like uh, people like us. And I know. That's, I the, know. that's the un, I mean, to be able to um, do powerful things for a world is, is, is amazing, but then to be able to get um, the individuals on the world to virtually work with other cosmic masters um, is just unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And several of them, of course, including perhaps uh, one that we should really single out because it's the 50th anniversary of this mission this year. Um, he invented himself the whole modus operandi and the whole concept. Uh, that, that I'm referring to, of course, is Operation Sunbeam. Uh, another one he invented, Operation Prayer Power. And another one, which you wrote the book about, Brian, of course, which is performed by the Great White Brotherhood themselves, Operation Earthlight. So those those three were clear-cut inventions of his. That's right. That is right. I mean, one one interesting point about Operation Earthlight is um, he received the um, mechanism, the uh, the machine. The design for the machine, which just very briefly is to um, allow the energy from the earth to um, be um, manifested on above Earth, shall we say, um, mm-hmm. in preparation for the new age. But he 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 got this flash of inspiration on this machinery, this radionic machine, in like mm-hmm. a, just like a minute, and he was then able to um, have it drawn out by his directions. Um, and then when it was eventually many many years later created for the first time by the Great White Brotherhood, um, it was so amazing, this, this inspiration that he had, that, that the Master of Theories took uh, an interest in it and, and helped, uh, helped create it. And when they had a team of workers uh, from the Great White Brotherhood trying to improve upon it, they could not mm. improve upon it. And this was from a exactly. flash, like, like a, uh, just an instantaneous vision that he had. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, here that in London, shows. actually. He was here in London. Was it London? Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Staggering. Uh, but it, interestingly, and all that, of course, that development of Operation Earthlight took place just weeks after this particular mental transmission we're that's looking at the, today. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Interesting. Exactly right. Yeah. And then if you look at some of the other missions, just very briefly, I think you could argue that Operation Space Power 2 was his idea. I mean, it came from another mission, but it was his thinking, his brilliance, to use that word. negotiation, you can even say. And that too, absolutely. And then in some of the other missions, which he didn't invent, uh, nevertheless, he did, like the Saturn mission and and Operation Blue Water, uh, and even Operation Space Power, he he did in some of those invent equipment for them. That's right. You know, I, I found this very interesting quote um, when preparing for this broadcast, actually, about Operation Blue Water. And again, just to remind people, that's a mission uh, where energy was sent uh, for the first time that we know of, anyway, uh, to the Earth through apparatus in sea water. And he had to invent some equipment for this. And this is something the Master Theorist said uh, about it afterwards. He said, Operation Blue Water could only have been successfully executed by George King. There is no one else 
in a terrestrial body who could have so quickly designed an instrument capable of the radiation of energies through quite a depth of coastal waters. Yeah, That's and quite a statement. And a shoestring budget as well. Yeah, and in a terrestrial yeah. body, I would take that, if you take it literally, to include other masters, whatever other masters were even available. Um, yeah. Only he could have done it. It's quite an incredible statement, that. Yeah, yeah. And then I just want to push that point, too, that, again, he, he did not have millions of dollars. He no. Had, uh, uh, he was on a, a shoestring budget at the time with just a, a handful mm. of people living in one house, pooling their resources, uh, yep. And and even with creating, even with keeping the society going, they were still able to find the time and the meager amount of money to create this this advanced radionic equipment that would do that task. Just staggering. Mm, indeed, staggering. indeed. So moving on, the next sentence I'd like to read is this one, which is probably food for thought, maybe even more than comment. But this statement, and this is referring, this is addressed to members of the Ethereum Society at the time. And he said this, you only know a fraction of the work of this man. And I think that's very true of, of, of Dr. King, Brian, don't you? I mean, he did keep his cards close to his chest, and even those of us who are privileged to be very close to him indeed, uh, he was always a bit enigmatic. You know, you're all, one was always trying to work out what he was really knew and what he was really planning and he, 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 there was so much more going on than we could see oh man yeah that's that's the understatement <laughs> of the century that one you know you, i mean I, some... when i used to come over to los angeles brian and you know enjoy you were there and you were in santa barbara and i spent years of my life there during that period of time and it was, I would say, without doubt, the biggest single conversation among everyone connected to him, really, was a speculation and, you know, interest and trying to solve the riddle of, you know, what was really the plan at foot and how much he knew and what he was planning. It was a constant fascination, I think. Well, it, it was. And, um, you know, we, we and, and he didn't, as you say, he did not really talk about that um, no. to to us. That was his, I, you know, that was, there, there was clearly a lot going on, and, and he was clearly a, an absolute genius in the manipulation of karma. And mm. um, we just, just we were, you know, so we were so far from the same league, we couldn't even understand um, uh, what he was doing, uh, you know, uh, a lot of it. Now, it, it's what we do understand is, as you said earlier in, in the program, is it's hard enough for us um, to really get our head head around what he was able to accomplish. Uh, most people would not even be able to appreciate it. Um, mm. And so, if we, we we're, we're kind of maxed out at that level, but what we're being told by the master theorists is that there's a lot more beyond that. Yes. <laughs> well, I had a similar experience in a way, maybe, to the one you, 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 you told us about last, when you were going to, I think, Las Vegas, you said, and he was uh, reporting in to, to Sector S2 and team. Right. And I, but I, I remember on many occasions sitting here in London in the dining room, it would just be the two of us. And even when I was really quite new to him, but he, uh, I would just, for some reason, I'd be sitting there just chatting. He, sometimes he wanted someone to just chat 
to or to even listen to and I would chat away about not particularly uh, <laughs> erudite matters but on I'd go and he would be responding but at the same time he'd be making little signals and uh, obviously it looked to me as I was in communication with other forces and other things were definitely going on as well as the conversation that we were having in the dining room I must say um, the, ne- the next uh, statement is this despite all odds he has moved forward gradually into the future, helping mankind who are strangers to him. I, I think that's a sad tinge there, who are strangers yeah. to him. It reminds me of that um, beautiful phrase the Master Jesus uses, strangers in the wilderness of materialism. Mm. Um, mm. And, and for him, of course, it was so acute because, as, as we've said, you know, no one was on his level. So you know, we'd all try to not make him feel alone and try and get up as far as we could <laughs> towards his level. But in the end, uh, he, and that's that's us, but uh, helping mankind as a whole were absolutely strange. Didn't recognize him, didn't, still don't appreciate him properly. And yet, despite all of this and all the disbelief, on he moved. And that's one sort of thing I'll never forget, that sense of being around him and the fact that no matter what happened, he was going to do his mission. And mm-hmm. if you know, if, if in theory, if everyone had left his side, which they wouldn't do, but if they had, I was absolutely could tell he was pushing on and he was going to do it. And there's that despite all odds mentality. Well, I mean, and and when you when you go back and and uh, postulate who the master theorist is and and the fact that our master is a star pupil and was sent to Earth into this physical body, um, mm. so. <laughs> He's he's not going to give up on the job, no, no matter what. He's going he's going to do the job, come come yeah. what may. That job is going to be yes. get done. And, uh, yes, indeed. Now, next statement. I think this is a fascinating statement coming up here. I'd like to to read out, and this is it. A lot of you speak somewhat glibly about the Great White Brotherhood. There is one member of the Great White Brotherhood that is the Lord Babaji who is a greater, more active member than any of them. But there is no member of the Great White Brotherhood, with this exception, who is equal in spiritual matters to George King. And that is quite a statement. Indeed. Indeed it is. <laughs> um, it's a strange thing, isn't it, that although he wasn't in an ascended body, he was, uh, as were you know, other masters who were born, cosmic avatars who were born, such as the Master Jesus and so on, Samson and, and the others that we've named in these broadcasts, he was in an ordinary earth physical body born through the womb of a, of a woman, his mother Mary King. But he was a member of the Great White Brotherhood, wasn't he? He was uh, initiated on Shambhala in, I think I'm right in saying, December 1978. Um, and he, he, But what's interesting here is this statement, which is something I, I'm absolutely sure that he himself would never have said, that there is no member of the Great Bright Brotherhood, with the exception of the Lord Babaji, who is his equal in spiritual right. matters, despite the fact right. he's not in an ascended, he wasn't in an ascended body. That's, that's, and when you think of the outstanding caliber of these ascended masters, male and female, and the wonderful beings that they are, and that, that's why I think it's interesting, he says a lot of you speak somewhat glibly about the Great White Brotherhood, and we must never do that. It makes it all the more incredible. This statement. 
Well, I think, I mean, it, it, I think that um, it's it was important, uh, especially at the time, because, you know, our master, uh, you, you know, as, as well as, as, as anyone else, um, mm-hmm. was, was tough. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he used to like, he was, you know, he would, uh, he wasn't what you, he didn't act the way you would normally expect a spiritual master to act. He wasn't, you know, mm. doing lots of breathing exercises, or he wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't like, um, you know, in doing mantra and had you know, all these. He, that wasn't the way he was. He, he would, you know, he would mm. eat, uh, you know, eat meat, and he would, he would uh, mm. be tough, and he would, he would like you know, talk like a man, and he would, you know, and mm. and he would. Uh, and it was, um, I think, and he kind of wanted us who were around him to respond to him. In that way, you know, have yes. jokes with them, and, and just so it's kind of more relaxed. And so, mm. and you do this year in, year out, year in, year out, um, mm. and then you read all these other things about these holy masters. And I think, I think mm. that's where the some people speak glibly. Well, that's another thing, but I think mm. it was important for for um, the master to say that you know, despite you know what you see, and um, yes. and the fact that he was. More focused on doing uh, missions, which mm-hmm. oddly enough may not seem that spiritual, although they're more spiritual. Um, mm. I think it was important for him to say that, in fact, uh, in all spiritual matters, there's mm. no one, with that one exception, who is his equal. Um, no. Even in even in these things which you don't normally see him doing, if you mm. know what I mean. And just to explain for, for newer listeners who the Lord Babaji is, he, he is a great master referred to sometimes, certainly referred to, for example, by Paramahansa Yogananda and others, but actually is, a, is the master of earth and has been with us for millions of years and will be here for millions more years and is the number one spiritual master upon the planet uh, and that even includes now Shambhala, which is a, another topic for another time, but for those who've heard of Shambhala, Lord Babaji is is the Lord of the Earth. And I think it's interesting, Brian, I, I've always thought it's fascinating that the Master Theorist would describe him in this way, the Lord Babaji, who is a greater, more active member than any of them. Is that, you know, it's a right. different psychology because yes. most terrestrial people would say more holy or more yes. saintly or more, you know, they wouldn't think of active. But to the master theorist, that's the ultimate accolade. He's more active than any of them. That's, that's, that's why he's point. greater, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, it's fascinating, yeah. And and then he has this statement, with this exception, it was equal in spiritual matters to George King. It's an amazing statement. And moving on then, because we are running, we must got to watch the clock here, another statement coming up, Master Theorist again. I have been concerned with helping other inhabited worlds for thousands of years. I have recruited small teams who I could trust to do this job for me under my direction. But George King is my star pupil and always has been, before he even came among you. So that's uh, talking about his role, not just on earth, not just the star pupil on earth, but he was the star pupil before he came here, which uh, opens an interesting line of thought. It it also uh, just illustrates the the depth and the strength of the bond between the master theorists and and our master. Tremendous... Oh, yes. um, connection and bond there 
And it, it, mm. it's, although it's, it's kind of humorous also in a way because after certain uh, uh, missions that our master performed, he would be ordered off duty. Yes. There's a good story by Charles one time. He was, he was ordered off duty just during a somatic transmission by the master of theories for a certain number of weeks. And uh, so yeah. then, uh, so the master was then kind of preparing, you know, recovering from the transmission. And I think Charles um, dutifully That's followed Charles the instructions. That's Charles Abraham, isn't it? Char- right? Yes. Following the instructions yeah. by the master of theories, he phoned um, England and told them that, well, you know, the master will be off duty, so you can't be communicating with him in this and this, this way. Um, and yes. when, when our master found out about that, he was really upset. He said, no. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that because the master of theorists did try uh, and instruct him, in it, you know, to to, to <laughs> hand <laughs> over responsibilities. Like, there was there was an interesting transmission. I think it's in 1977 when the master of theorists announced his third and final phase. He'd had the two phases right. of his mission. This was the third one, yeah. and he was really calling for in that transmission for uh, him to hand over. There's a, the many details that he that he got involved in to, to, to detach. Right. I've got a quote right. here actually: "Detach from the mass of small details, which together help to run your organisation." And that was in 1977, when right. I, I think that year I sort of just became a committee member. Um, I was only 24, but I just became a committee member here, and I can absolutely verify because I was. With working with him on all these many small details for the next 20 years, he uh, he didn't, I'm afraid, fully <laughs> detach. No, he, far no. from it. I mean, look at the detail he went into, uh, mainly with yourself and myself, uh, in terms of the future running of the society. I I, oh, I can't yeah. think of another master that we know of anyway that went into that kind of detail about how their organization would be run after their demise, and and, and he dotted every I, crossed every T on many things. I guess it, it illustrates he's the star pupil. I mean, he's just—it uh, does. You know, he was—he just—he—he he, he took that extra, extra effort and extra length, and just—I mean, you know, if I'm sure you've had the same experience, you go back to an, a newsletter of a particular year, um, say '86 or '84, and you read what he did in in one year, any of those years, it was phenomenal. Mm. Unbelievable kind of work every year. Indeed. Well, I think we've got time probably for, I imagine, just one more statement. And that's, right. uh, let me read that one. And this is towards the end of the transmission. The Master of Theories says this Without revealing too much about the identity of this unusual man, christened as George King, I can tell you that without him and his cooperation and his suffering throughout the years, your earth would be an entirely different place and millions of you would not be able to live here because of extremely adverse conditions. Yep. That's, uh, uh, that's an amazing thing. And, and I think your, your quote in the beginning that um, by the Master Theorist, that when the world recognizes Dr. King, uh, it'll be mm-hmm. a marker as to we have gotten to a certain, uh, a certain marker on the way to the, to the uh, New Age. Indeed. Well, that's a that's a very nice way to end, and I think also to you know the suffering that he went through and the karma that he took, which I, I've I've come to believe even recently, Brian was much more than we realised, even for personal individuals. Never mind for the planet as a whole. That was a whole other chapter in in what he did for this planet. And I just want to say thank you, Brian, for um, coming on the show at such short notice. 
and thanks giving such a wonderful me. yeah giving us such wonderful information and uh, and thanks to all our listeners and I wish everyone who's observing it a wonderful day on January the 23rd observing the birth date of Dr George King in 1919 and over to you Courtney thank you very much Thank you, guys, and thank you, Brian, for joining us today. We greatly appreciate it. You've been listening to Aetherius Radio Live. Aetherius Radio Live is your cosmic connection the third Tuesday of each month at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. For more information on the events mentioned earlier in the show or to connect with the Aetherius Society, please visit www.aetherius.org. You can connect with Richard Lawrence by visiting his website, richardlawrence.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy the rest of your month. Bye-bye.